Welcome back to another episode of the Kettleman You podcast. And today I'm going to be talking to you about marketing cattle and a few experiences I've had. And I'm going to tell a few stories and just really show you the behind the scenes of an art that I think is a lost art. And so let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to the Cattleman You Podcast. I'm your host, Caroline Rose, the founder and CEO of K-Rose Company and Cattleman You. Through our conversations here, we share the latest ideas and techniques to help you start, improve, and expand your farmer ranch. Join us as we visit with industry experts and cattle producers to get honest ins and outs of beef production. We'll dive into topics such as cattle handling, nutrition, cattle markets, genetics, and so much more. We encourage everyone who's involved in the industry to listen. Let's dive in. As many of you know, it's feeling like fallout, maybe not. It's really warm. It's early September, so it's really warm in California, I know, and still in Montana, but there's definitely signs of fall, and that's typically where we start to think about marketing cattle, but in all reality, marketing cattle really starts when those calves hit the ground, and so we'll talk a little bit about that, but first I want to tell you a little story. So I've been in Texas most of the summer and had the opportunity to go to a Texas sale barn, so about an hour outside of Houston, and just experience how they do sale barns differently down here. So in Montana, in the fall, between my dad and I, we sit in about seven or eight sale barns a week. So the sale barn life is no new game to me. I'm very comfortable. We buy lots of cattle out of the sale barn between the two of us, probably about 20000 a year. I feel that I'm pretty quick on my feet in the sale barn. I can analyze cattle and make a good judgment call and bid on with multiple tickets. But I am 100% convinced I would be fired if we lived in Texas because they sell cattle in Texas, or at least at this barn. I don't want to make a generalization at this barn. They sell cattle one at a time and there's no background information given, none. So to me, it really felt as if they were not working for the seller, which is something that I really appreciate in Montana appreciate even more when I'm a seller, right? When I bring my cattle to town, but they did not ever talk about shots, program, nothing like that. So they brought one calf in and they sold it fast, really fast. So they probably sold 30 to 50 head in the same amount of time that it takes us to sell a ring full in Montana. So the auctioneer was going, he started at a price and he never backed up. A lot of times in Montana, if the market is $1.50, the auctioneer will start at $1.70, get down to $1.20, people will get in, they'll get back up to $147, $148 and they'll sell the cattle. Not the case here. So they knew what the market was. He would auctioneer one or two times. They'd sell the calf. Now the kicker is the cattle were not weighed until after you already owned them. So they would say sold. The calf would be out, get on the scale, and they would be selling the next one in the ring. And so I'm 100% sure I'd be fired because I would consider myself a decent judge of weight, but not that good to be able to buy them without zero weight at all. 
The other thing is they don't get as much premium in Montana. I oftentimes hear ranchers ask me, you know, is shots really worth the premium? Is it worth it to ban to my bull calves? Is it worth it to dehorn? Things like that. And down here, what I learned is they don't do those things as frequently, or at least what I saw in this sale barn. And so that is the price set. And so what we do see in Montana is a premium for some of those activities. But it was just a really cool experience. It was one of my favorite experiences from being in Texas this summer. And it was really fast paced. There was probably five or six buyers in the seats and they were selling them really fast and in no particular order. So calves, yearlings, cows, just one at a time. They got them in and got them out really, really quickly. And so as we come into fall, a few things, this market is hot and this market has been hot. To me, it's a challenging market because it doesn't pencil well. And as a rancher, you don't want to hear that, I know, but I encourage you not to hang up the podcast, not to turn it off. It doesn't pencil and that does have me a little bit concerned and a little nervous. I'm absolutely thrilled when we can get some higher prices and when we look at a cyclical market you know as we approach four five six so 2024 2025 2026 we should see higher prices when we take a 10,000 foot view of the market it is a bell-shaped curve now it looks a little different based on some tweaks in the economy and some stuff like that but from a 10,000 foot view it looks very very similar when we get in there with a mic- microscope, it looks a little different, but a 10,000 foot view, it looks very similar. So we should be on the upswing with the highest prices at 2024, 2025, 2026, and then they should start to slide back down. So we're a touch early. We're in 2022. So we're technically a touch early for that. So just something to think about in your marketing world. But there are a lot of farmer feeders who have not stuck their neck out and bought much because the numbers don't make a lot of sense. Corn is expensive. Freight is expensive. Inflation, everything that's impacting the ranchers also impacting the feeder. And there is a little hesitation. So I think that we do have a little bit of a market correction coming this fall. I don't know what that's going to look like. I hope it's not as dramatic as what it takes to get these cattle to pencil on paper. But I do think we have a little bit of a market correction happening this fall. The other thing that we are seeing that is going to play a factor, just like it has the last couple years, and I think it's only going to get worse, is trucking shortage as we get into the fall and labor shortage and cost of that. And so independent guys who run their own semi, fuel is more expensive, and overall costs are more expensive again. No new news to you guys, but there has been people who have exited the industry hauling cattle because they have chose something else that's a little bit more steady. It's not so seasonal. And I think we're going to feel that effect come International Shipping Week in October, come November, come some of those months. I think it is going to prove to be an issue. And so I just want you to consider that in your overall marketing package. I'm going to talk a little bit about when I think you should market your calves if you haven't already. And we're going to talk a little bit about the cool cow game. And when that matters, that's actually where we'll start now is the cool cow game. And the only reason I think about it is because I lease some bulls of my own, um, some 
commercial purebred Angus bulls that I raise out of my cows, out of some registered Angus cows of mine, and I lease them out. And it's something I've done for years and it works really well for my family and kind of the program that we're building. And so the bulls came back, they're three-year-olds this year, and the same families leased them for three years. So we have said, okay, well, we're going to sell them now. And so my brother called and asked, since I'm here in Texas, when I wanted to take them to the sale barn. And we said, well, they either need to go in the next two weeks, so in the first two weeks of September, or we need to wait for Thanksgiving or Christmas. And luckily for us, that's a choice because we have a background in lot, we have a pen, we can put them in, no big deal. Of course, it costs, I think my brother said, $4 a day to feed them, something to that nature. So it's a lot of money. We figured out what it would cost to put a pound of gain on, all of that, to decide if it was worth it. It might not be $4. If I'm incorrect on that, you can send me an email, but... (laughs) whatever he said the cost was. And so we figured out all the math and we decided that um, out of the three lease bulls that I had back, I needed to send two of them to town this week. And I was going to save one and send it around Thanksgiving. That is because the cold cows and cold bulls make up on average 20% of an operation's disposable income. I talked about this a little bit in the K-Rose company email that went out this week, but that is a huge impact, a huge impact, 20% of your income. And oftentimes it's the piece of the income that I feel gets overlooked. And I do think for most operations, it could change the game on profitability, 100%. Ladies, this one's for you. Have you been looking for the perfect planner that will help you start on the right foot? We've created the Kettleman U Planner for ranch women, wives, mothers, and daughters who are looking to improve their operation. Our planner is packed full of the tools that will help you learn more about ranching, working with others, and knowing yourself. Not only does it include a calendar, but it's also jam-packed full of intentional questions and thoughts and action items to move the needle forward. Grab yours today at kettlemanulive.com slash planner. We know that the standard behavior of the industry is to take your calves, ship them, prank check your cows the next day, and haul your cows to town. But the cool cow market's a little bit different than the feeder calf market because they need a standard supply. Feeder calf market isn't really like that. It is in sense, but it's not. And so they need a standard supply. So say I'm going to do really easy numbers to get this concept to where it's easy to understand. But say a plant, a cool cow plant, needs 100 cows a week. And they drive to a sale barn, they drive to the Billings sale barn, and they buy 50 cows. And then they drive to Mile City, and they buy 50 more. That is all the cows they need that week, so two options. They either decrease their ticket by so much that if they buy them, the profitability just skyrockets. So they absolutely should own them. Or they stop buying them. And so in this cycle where we sell our calves... We prank check our cows and we haul the cows to town. When everyone else is hauling the cows to town, the plant is doing those two exact things. They're either not buying them because they're full after they get full 
or they're decreasing what they bid because they're full. And so it is something to consider. Why do we sell them when we sell them? Do we have an option to change that? And so then when we think about Thanksgiving week or Christmas week or New Year's, or even in the spring, right, or June when there's not as many cold cows, it's a supply and demand. It's, again, a little different than the feeder calf. Cold cow market is completely supply and demand. And you need there to be less supply to have higher demand. So I just want to challenge you to be intentional about when you take your cows to town. And some of you don't have an option. Some of you are out of grass. I understand that. But that's not always going to be your case. You're not going to be out of grass every single year. Some year you might look out and say, I can throw those cows out there and get them to last until Thanksgiving. Or I can go on my summer grass and preg check a little bit earlier. You know, it might take a crew and it might cost X number. But when you figure that 20, 25 cents, sometimes that's what I think a cool cow drops. 20, 25 cents, even more during the fall run when you bring a cool cow, cool bull to town. You don't have to have very many cool cows or cool bulls to make it worth it to preg check a little bit earlier. So... That's my first point. Just be really intentional when you market your cool cows and your cool bulls. And when we think about marketing feeder calves, which is what I would consider my bread and butter or something that I really love to do, as long as marketing seed stock, which is what we do at K-Rose Company in particular. But I really like feeder calves because there is so many ways to do it better. There is so many ways. And I think this summer is a really, really good scenario. When the market gets hot, as buyers, we tend to see sellers kind of lose. I don't know if control is the right word. I'm an Enneagram 8, which is probably foreign language um, conversation for some of you. We had an Enneagram podcast. I'll be sure to link that in the show notes so you guys can go back and listen. But... It just seems as if the decisions are not made as wisely when the market gets hot. I don't know how to say that professionally, so I apologize if that comes across the wrong way. But the market got hot and it just kept getting hotter, which all the tall tale signs were there. And I can always tell you, it's never going to be the hottest in June. And it's never going to be the hottest in early July. And I still saw people get nervous really nervous and do some things that they ended up coming back and saying, man, I wish I went to pull the trigger on that. Or man, I wish I would have read my contract a little bit more. I was worried about missing the market. And you just have to remember, it's a good market. It's not going to fall overnight. I mean, it can feel like that, right? That the bottom's just going to fall out, especially when the break-evens don't make any sense. But just you have to be cautious about the decisions you make and who you sell your cattle to and some things like that. So some things I've noticed this year on the market watching. Yearlings, of course, are hot. Program cattle, especially gap four cattle, are really, really valuable. If you're interested in doing gap four, um, you need to get on it. And I would get on it this fall, get your place certified, because it is a decision that needs to be made by birth, I believe. And so if you're going to market them that way, you got to really get on that. The other thing is super light calves. Man, some of those light calves... I was watching, I think, the Western video. They got really close to $3, maybe even over $3. And so there is some value in the light calves. 
I know that the last week in October, first week in November is the worst time you could ship cattle. Um, so if you can avoid that, highly recommend. I think selling your calves or shipping your calves in September is still a smart move because when we look at the pricing of the market, April is the best market usually for fats. And you cannot have enough days on feed if they come late October, early November to get them into an April market and have them grade well. They have to come before October 15th. And so there is this sweet spot between the end of September, early October, where they can buy those cattle and get them to the April market in order to sell at the top of the fat market. And so just something to consider. It does not matter how big your cattle are if you sell them at the end of October, beginning of November. It stays on feed in order to get the yield and the quality that are needed for them to sell well on the grid. And so that's what they're trying to do. And the other thing I've noticed is heifers are really far back. So we've seen some heifers sell on the video, oh, at least 20, 30, 40 cents back which is a huge discount for heifers. And it's certainly an area of opportunity, if you ask me, because we are the shortest on cow numbers that we've been in a long time. And heifers are selling at a discount. And at some point, the replacement market's going to be hot. I pulled my audience the other day on the K-Rose cattle or K-Rose company Instagram. And some people thought that replacements bred cattle Replacement heifers were going to sell for over $3,000 when this market really gets turned on and we get some grass. That's an incredible market. And so the fact that heifers are so much lower, I feel like there is a little bit of a disconnect. That also is probably part of the reason why I think the steer market has a little bit of correction to do. One, because it doesn't pencil, which we've talked about. Two, because heifers are nowhere close. And also heifers, the difference between heifers and steers historically is the difference between June or April and June board. And so there is a difference between those two boards. And so we're seeing a little bit wider of a gap this year than we historically have. So just something to keep in mind. If I were you, um, if you have the ability, I'd keep back some more replacement heifers. I think there is going to be a market for that for sure. So that's the things I've noticed about marketing coals and feeders, and we'll all throw in a little piece here about seed stock. So I've been talking to a lot of seed stock producers, as you know, it's the primary industry we're in in K-Rose Company, and I have been having a conversation with them about, you know, how do we market these bulls better? How do we bridge the gap between the commercial cattlemen and the seed stock producers and hearing what commercial cattlemen are saying and wanting and needing in these seed stock, in these bulls and in these females and marketing the right way and all of that. And I really think that genetics play a huge, huge role. And I think even more so that we need to pay attention to some of the little pieces when we're partnering with a seed stock operation. And I think now more than ever, there is opportunity to really get to know who's producing your bulls. We have social media posts and Facebook and Instagram accounts you can follow. 
most seed stock producers should have some type of email list or text messaging list where they're keeping you updated throughout the year. And I really encourage you as a commercial cattleman to dive into the program, the people behind those bulls, even more than you ever have before. Because if you've been buying bulls at the same place for 10, 15, 20 years, some of you are longer than that. The people have changed. Whether it was passed down from a dad to a son or even a third generation, the people have changed. And so get to know the daughter, the son, the whoever is running the operation now. So I just encourage you, dive a little bit deeper into your seed stock producer. Be a little bit more intentional. There's a lot of really good bulls out there. And I think there's a lot of seed stock producers who are doing really cool things who maybe don't have the longevity like they haven't been in the industry for 50 years or 100 years but what they're doing is still incredible and the quality of bulls they're raising is amazing so I encourage you to check that out so that gives you just a little bit of a recap again we talked about the cold cow market a little bit about the feeder calf market a a teeny bit we dove a little bit into seed stock what to expect this fall I think bulls and females will sell well this fall I think we will see a really strong bull market and a registered female market. And I encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. We absolutely need you in the industry. That's something I say at every profit panel in Cattleman U. We need you in any instance in the industry. It doesn't matter your background, how involved you are, what your ideas are. We need you and we need creativity and we need new ideas all the time. So thanks for being a part of the industry. Thank you for trusting me to give you a little update on the market and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would, please leave us a review, share this episode with some other producers that you know. All of that helps this information get out and be heard by more people. So thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Cattleman U podcast. Don't forget to subscribe at cattlemanulive.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to review when you get there. We are excited to learn alongside you and remember the grass is greener where you water it.